is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of practice shepherding. I'm joined in studio with Jim Sebastio. Jim, good to see you. Good afternoon, Brian. So we have an important topic we're going to get to before we do that. I uh, just want to ask you if you've been helped by practical shepherding or this podcast in particular, would you go to iTunes and leave us a review? It helps us just to grow and learn how to do this better. Feel free to write us with questions you have that you would like for us to address. We'd be glad to try to do that. Uh, and on that note, you can also go to practicalshepherding.com and hit the donate button if this ministry has been helpful to you. Uh, we're in the midst of certainly trying to, to see what finances are going to look like next year. And we would love if you would help us and go to the donate button and give financially. Uh, it's going to help us to do a lot of different exciting things, expand a lot of things we're getting to do right now that uh, we're, we're a part of. And I want to jump into our topic. The topic today is in regard to the pastor's soul. And of course, Many of you know that, that Jim and myself just wrote a book on the pastor's soul. It came out a couple months ago through Evangelical Press, and that's available now. And this is a piece to that, and that is, how does the pastor, the man who is is in, in called, empowered to preach the word, to minister the word of God, how do we personally in our own soul stay, stay warm to the word, that our affections are still stirred by the word personally, that's even apart from our our own ministry tasks, because a lot of people don't realize that though we may be preaching and teaching the word a lot, our hearts can still grow cold to it personally, and even the impact it would have in our life. So will you kind of set us this up biblically on how we can begin to think through this? Yeah, I want to do that both biblically and practically, Brian. The the scriptures themselves speak of the word of God as being more important than my daily food, as something to be treasured. Uh, it, it's food, it's it's drink, it's light, it's all of those things, and 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 we know all of that, and we can know all of that very emphatically, theologically. We can exegete those words, and we can right. preach those words very clearly and carefully and powerfully. And yet, the danger that has come to many men that I know, and and even the danger that comes to my own soul. Is that that familiarity with the word, uh, the thing, oh, I already know this, or the thought that I don't need to read the word of God for myself individually as a man before God because I'm studying the scriptures or I'm meditating on the scriptures throughout the day. And so what we might encourage the average churchman to do or new Christian to do, that is to establish a regular time that they're in the word whether it's a you know, one-year Bible reading or two-year Bible reading program or whatever it is, to encourage people to be systematically in the Word and to pray and to keep their eyes focused on things above. Well, that's our job to do, right? And, and so we can uh, we can we can be at one and the same time more theologically and exegetically familiar with the Word, and yet maybe that man finds that he's not feasting on the Word and trembling before the word and warm before the word in a way that he was before he was in ministry. And so rather than ministry being a help and a boon to us spiritually, we are publicly spiritual, but perhaps privately shriveling. Yeah. And I think a couple of scenarios that come to my mind to just make this real for people as we're thinking about this is the situation where, and, and these are the cliches, but what we hear about them because they're so ironic. And that is, you know, the pastor who stands up and passionately preaches against adultery, who is in the middle of committing adultery. Right. It's the seminary student, and this is a cliche around the Southern Seminary. For years, I've watched students come through 
there at the seminary to study the word, to study theology, to study the languages. And a lot of times they battle by the end of seminary, just a coldness right. to the word and to God. And, right. and it just seems so counterintuitive. But we have to recognize that this is a real issue that pastors and others who regularly minister the word in different ways have to figure out how to be aware of what's going on in their soul and how to make sure they foster a love for the word. Brian, I've said it. Pick on Southern here a little bit because that's seminary down read from us here, but I, I I can't tell you how many times I've sat to watch to hear somebody preach the word that they bring in, um, and I watch. You can just see it. I'm not trying to look for it. But I just see it in front of me because I'm tall enough I can see over the pew. But guys are checking Facebook and Twitter and they're uh, are doing homework while that, the word of God is being preached. Does that happen in church? Uh, it doesn't happen in church so much, I don't think. That happens, but it does, in, that happens in the seminary? But it happens in seminary. People yeah, are and, checking and, Twitter. But, and but here are guys, ostensibly, again, who, if they were preaching the word, oh, they'd want you know attention being brought sure, to it. Yeah. But but it, it, it becomes a droning. It can become. The, the life-giving words of the living God can become background noise. And again, they are, they are text. They are... It for us, Brian. It's our toolbox. So right. I mean, what we're going to preach, what we're going to deal with, what you're going to deal with on the Lord's Day, what I'm going to deal with on this coming Lord's Day. I've got to spend some time in the Word. I've got to try to understand uh, that passage and then put that passage into a homiletically sound formula, and then be able to proclaim it in a way that hopefully is clear and understandable. But that's not. My only, and ought not to be, is what I'm arguing, ought not to be my only contact with the scriptures. And what can happen is that even when we're reading the scriptures devotionally, we begin to read it like preachers. Right. And so it's, it can become like a professional chef. Every time he eats something, he's thinking in terms, oh, how much salt, how much, you know, uh, oh, that's cumin, that's oregano, you know, uh, and, and oh, I would do it this way. I would do it that way. Right. And so you read a passage and your thought is not, how is this going to feed me? But how can I use this to feed others? Or uh, how could I break this down? What are its main components? And it's more an intellectual exercise. Or we listen. I, I found a number of men who, once they enter ministry, lose their ability to effectively listen to other people preach. Yeah, they become right. very critical of other sermons. Yeah. Or they are listening to younger people preach so that they can be helpful to them, which means being critical, uh, rather than sitting there as one who says, I have a hungry soul and I want to be fed. Be fed by the word, and yeah. some years ago, I remember watching a very powerful uh, preacher who at this time was probably in his 70s, but sitting so childlike under the ministry of a far, far less gifted man in the pulpit, I think it was me. Uh, but watch that man um, to teach and preach, and, and, and he was obviously so desiring simply to be fed, and that impacted my own heart. I tell you a quick story based on, because Austin Walker was here, we talked about him in, in the other episode, and uh, but when I was in England in, in August, and I preached at, at Maidenbauer Baptist Church, which is where Austin just retired from as the founding pastor, right. I preached. Romans, a passage Romans 8 that his son, Jeremy, the pastor now, and I decided for me to preach. Anyways, he came up to me after the sermon with tears in his eyes. He could hardly talk and talked about uh, how much the word moved him. Yeah. I was painfully aware that my sermon was not that effective. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it as far as how I felt like it went, it shows yeah, that this, you this were man. Thir- you're thirty years as junior. I'm thirty years as junior. Ministry, you've been preaching for thirty years. This man was preaching years. well before I was born. Right. So it, for him to, to it just really that really stuck out to me. Right. That 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 didn't tell me I preached a great sermon. That that just that was inspiring to see a man in his seventies who who's known God and known His Word right. that long to be that. That uh, affectionate and sensitive to the word. Yeah, I, I have some folks in my church who refer to themselves as sermon junkies, or preaching junkies. I can't remember what they use. And there was a time I probably would have used a, a, a similar term for. I, I can remember when I first started in ministry, and this was back in the in the days of the Walkman. Well, it's actually in the days of wax recording. Sound work. <laughs> But I had the old with cassette tapes. I did too. And I I worked for a year as a janitor, and I would I would listen to hours of of preaching uh, every week. And then I got used to the sound of my own voice. I was going to sound arrogant, but a lot Mm -hmm. of guys get used to the sound of their own voice. They get used to the way that they handle a text, and 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 so they're distracted uh, at times when others. And one of the things that was very helpful to me in the past couple of years is having a, a, a another preacher at our church who preaches a, a, a fair bit of the time. And so right. I, every every Sunday now I'm listening to, to preaching, whereas for 20-some years I, I was doing often adult Sunday school preaching in the morning, preaching in the evening. So three times a week, 12 times a month, I was most of the time, and maybe or 10, 10 of those 12 times a month I was preaching. So I wasn't listening to a lot of living preaching. And then you get busy. I wasn't listening to as much. Um, and so that that's, you know, taking in the preached word. Right. But then also, again, just trying to say, recognizing that there may have been times when I excused my own lack of of spending my own time in the word again, just to feed my own soul, just to get to know Christ better as a man, as a Christian man. And not as a, not to become a better preacher. Right. Not to be a more effective this or an effective that, but simply as a needy man, a saint. Who needed to feed my soul on the word. There have been times I've had to wrestle through that. If you're listening to this and you're not a pastor, uh, you're a church member and you're listening to this for for a variety of reasons, you need to know that that pastors have the same battle you do of desiring to want to keep the, the uh, our affection stirred for the word right. that we are trying to minister to our to our our church the best we can. So let's talk about how we do this, Jim. What so what are some practical things that we can talk about in regard to the pastors who are listening to this, who can relate to what we're talking about and having to, in a sense, fight for that. What are some things that you do that helps your heart stay warm to, to Jesus walking with him and to, and to have the word feed your soul as it's supposed to do? Right. And, the, and again, Brian, the, the, the older we get and the more familiar we are with the Bible, Sometimes the harder this gets, sadly. And so I think, first of all, you have to make it a matter of prayer. And that is coming into the word and, and asking the Lord to help you as you're, you know, it's different. When I read, you know, there was a time I read Mark's gospel for the first time. And now I've been a believer for 41, coming on 40, yeah, 41 years in November. And so I've read Mark 60 times, I don't know how many times, or, or, or Philippians 60, 70 times I've read Philippians. Or, right, right. And and it, it's different. It's like listening to a piece of music. It, you know, some, And yeah, you understand it better, or watching a film. The first time you watch it, it's so exciting. Second time, it's still exciting. Third time, 
you know, you're checking email during it or you're, 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 you're dozing because of a certain familiarity with it. Yeah. And when you know that you've almost have it memorized, you know, and and so you're trying to, so you have to pray, you have to ask God to help you. And one of the things that struck me over the years, we mentioned some of these older brothers, but I also think about the apostle Paul and Paul, Paul wrote Philippians when he talked about this strong passion to know Christ and to be where he was, he was not a new convert. And, And so it's, it's one thing when you listen to a guy on his honeymoon talk about his wife. It's another thing listening to a 50, 60 year old guy who's now been with her for 40 years and he knows everything about her. And, you know, she's. Yeah. How sweet is it when that man talks so kindly it, it and is. sweet about it, his wife? It, it, it is, right. It's and, the same and, idea. And it, can, it can be that yeah, way. That's right. But sometimes a guy can become dull. Now, touching your wife's hand now is different than when you first touched her. And, and, and that aspect of it can never be the same. You can never go back. You can never, unless you conk yourself on the head, unlearn Philippians and read it as for the first time. But you can ask the Holy Spirit to have that same heart that Paul did, that after all of these years, I've been walking with you, Lord, for 40 years, 41 years. I still want to know you. I want to know the power of your suffering, the power of your resurrection. And so that has to be the case. And I, I think the other, another thing that can be very helpful is utilizing devotional exercise or, or uh, helps things like uh, J.C. Ryle, uh, Octavius Winslow, Charles Spurgeon, men that were just masters of the heart. Uh, they're extremely Christ-centered, extremely devotional. I think as well, you might want to mix things up a little bit that if you've been reading the Bible the same way for years and you just say, right, January 1st, I start Genesis 1 and yeah. Last day of December, I'm in the end of Revelation, and I've been doing that for 30 years. You might want to mix that up a little bit. Yeah. You also might want to incorporate something that I found very helpful, Brian, is I, I will sometimes listen to the Bible and not just read it, but I'll listen to it. Yeah. And, and sometimes just, and, and I will read it or listen to it in different translations. Yeah. And so sometimes yeah, there have been times when it's been an excellent source of meditation simply because of the way something was read. The narrator, the reader, gives an emphasis that makes me think about that passage in a way uh, that yeah. I didn't. And sometimes, as well with this, Brian is saying that I am going to. I mean, sometimes yeah, I, I have a I have a schedule. I, I'm on a certain schedule right now. I'm actually on a two-year schedule now, which I've never done before. And so I'm taking and I'm spending actually a little bit less time, but the hope is that. It's more time for meditation and, and, and that kind of mental and spiritual interaction with the word. Uh, but sometimes you might even do less than that. And that is, I know some people, they just say that, you know, they read until however long it is. It might be 10 minutes. It might be, it might be 30 minutes, but until they really find that their heart has engaged with the text. That, yeah. So that might be some things. Uh, what about yourself? Yeah. So I would add a couple of things that in the early years of my ministry, uh, and studying the word a lot. I was just studying a lot, trying to learn it. So I found in the early years, just scripture memorization, just that basic discipline was helpful for me. Right. I think it um, it's something that it keeps the word in my mind right. constantly. And I just I just found that to be a, a helpful tool. As I got older and grew to to know the word well, and you're preaching through it every week and working through it in, in ministry. I found that using the word almost in, a, in an experiential way 
was helpful as I got older. So instead of, you know, trying to memorize a whole chapter or something, which right. is what I would try to do in the early years, you know, I'll take passages and almost try to do something that allows me to experience the word even as I'm reading. So for example, you know, I'll, I'll go away to a quiet place in silence by myself, you know, in the woods and, and try to in, engage with Psalms that talk about, you know, I, I, I wait for God in silence mm-hmm. and he is my salvation. And, and that's what I'm just reading it, but letting right. the, your, your environment help you experience what that mm-hmm. word means. You know, going out and, you know, when you go out and see a, a beautiful sunset or a sky that looks amazing, just to, to stop and like make, even if you know the passage, I, I will pull, you know, I'd pull up Psalm 19. Right. You know, the heavens declare the glory. Right, I just, right, 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 just right. Ex- as something that helps me connect the word to experience it even in my own soul. So it's, for me, it's, as I get older, I find it's not so much of a mental exercise as it is an exercise of the heart and my soul. And so I may be working with less of a passage. But uh, I'm experiencing it and and trying not to boggle down my mind with with a whole bunch of information, but less that I can experience. The other thing I would throw out there is, you know, when I take vacation time or what's going on, you I take every July off. And, and so when I took July off, I was very intentional about a lot of things. But one of the things I was intentional about, I'm in the middle of preaching through Romans. I did not spend July reading Romans. I did not spend July mapping out the next sermon. Okay. Tempting. Right. Because there's time to do it. It's the word. Right. And get ahead. Who doesn't love Romans? Right. But I intentionally didn't do that because I I knew I would be tempted to want to try to read it and think through how I'm going to structure things. So I didn't. I read different passages. I spent other time just just reading the word, having times in your in your day, in your week where you are reading the word. You're engaging with God's word in a way that's not prepping for something I think is, is a helpful exercise. To helping in experience the word, I think probably we should say something, Brian, about the fact that there 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 can be a, there can be helpful ways of being fed as a man in the midst of your labors. And Paul talks Certainly. about that you know the hardworking farmer is first to partake of the fruit of his of his labors, and and so we ought to be eating what we're producing. And in a sense, our own sermon prep ought to feed us. It better feed us. It better excite us before we're going to use it to feed anybody else. And of course, we also, as pastors, this is a benefit we have. So our benefit is we get to spend however many hours a week in meditation, and we study far more than what we give. So that we're there may be whole aspects of the text that we've studied and meditated on that homiletically is just really not going to come out in the act of preaching. And so I don't want anybody to feel like, oh, well, boy, I, I, I feel, I don't want anybody to feel condemned or th- thinking that we're condemning them if they are being fed by their own preparation. But what we're encouraging is uh, don't make that your sole interaction with the word. A friend of mine used to say that the Bible does not say thy word was found and I did exegete it, but thy <laughs> word was found and I did eat it. Yeah. And you know, so that we do have to be careful with that. I, I use the illustration, I think it's in the book, about what it must be like to be at the Grand Canyon as a park ranger. I was just at the I was at the North Rim of the Grand Canyon right. this past week with my English friends, as well as a, a couple of friends uh, from here that went with us uh, on this trip. And that initial sight of the Grand Canyon, the, one of the ladies that we that was there with, as soon as we saw it, she burst into tears. It can have that emotional effect on it. 
that woman's sister is was a park ranger at oh. Grand Canyon. Okay. She does not burst into tears when she sees it. No. Because she's seen it so many times. Right. And intellectually, she understands it better. She can talk about it better after 20 years of being a park ranger, but the emotion of it has left her. And I often think about how do I how do I keep that passion? How do I keep that emotion when I, I do? I know my Bible far better now than I did when I was 15 years old when I first started to read it. But I sometimes am not as intent on it because, again, I think, well, I, I know it. And that, so that's what we're getting at here is, that's right. is asking God to help you in, in utilizing whatever means that we can stay fresh because we don't want to wind up exhorting people to have an experience of divine things that we're honestly not having ourselves. And so we can chide people for their how they sit you know, when they don't listen to us or they, they don't seem to be getting anything out of the word and realizing, well, maybe I'm not either because I'm, I'm too familiar with it. So I think Brian has to begin with that, asking and begging God to help us uh, to feed upon the word the way that we should. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, it's, I was, we were working under the assumption, I'm glad you brought it up, working under the assumption that if you're a pastor preparing to preach every week and the word is not, Deeply moving you and affecting you as you prepare, you should stop. Yeah, I mean, so I, I let me. Mm. So I'm glad you brought that up. But I, the reason we're talking about it in this way is that um, that that's what should be happening. That sh- that I think is the front line of our spiritual interaction with God and His Word, and so that should definitely be happening. So what what the other thing you're, we want you to hear is that uh, that sometimes though it sneaks up on us and our heart grows cold, and we've right. got to do other things with the word to keep it in line. Right. So, so yeah, what we're, I think, encouraging our brothers and ourselves, and so I'm, I'm exhorting you, you're exhorting me, and we're yep. exhorting ourselves, is, is don't just shrug your shoulders over and go, oh, yeah, well, what, what do you expect, right? You know, it's, it's, it's the 50,000th time I've kissed my wife. First time was electricity, but, you know, I, I jokingly say sometimes when my wife will say to me at night, did I kiss you already? And I'm like, <laughs> what, do, what do you mean did you kiss me? I mean, I just, we're about to kiss, you know? It, you forgot if you kissed me and like, yeah, that can happen. So, you know, after so many times and, and you may have even had the experience thinking, did I spend time in the word this morning? And, oh, oh, yeah, I did. And, and, and it's not always that exciting, but I think we need to keep at it. So it becomes, as some people say, it's like food. I, I've eaten many forgettable meals, right? but each of them have, as some guy has said, you know, has added to my life in a way that I'm not fully aware of. And so, yeah, we do desire to have that sen- that sensation of the word that the psalmist speaks of in Psalm 119. Oh, I love it. I love your precepts. I love yeah. your law. That's not always going to be the case, but we need to keep at it, I think, and, and ask the God who gave the word to me. So let me pray for us in that way. Lord, we're grateful that you've given us your word and revealed yourself and Christ through it. We recognize that we as pastors don't just live on bread alone, but everything proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, Lord, help us to stay warm and affectionate to you, ultimately, to to Christ at work in us, your spirit at work. And we pray, Lord, that every day we would be amazed at your word and how living and active it is, and that you would help our ministries to flourish because your word would be so deeply affecting us. We pray this in Jesus. Then.